Presenting the first of many Bob Haney Showcase Specials. As always, uh, I'm accompanied by my co-host, Mr. Rob Kelly. The zany Rob Kelly, that is, from AquamanTrine.net. And I am the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. How you doing, Rob? Hey, Hepcats. <laughs> we, we have been threatening, if you will, to do a Bob Haney special for a while. And I, I, our joy for Bob Haney cannot be contained by one episode alone. So we're going to have these showcase specials from time to time celebrating the joy that is Haneyism. And you can probably tell by our intro there, things may be a little bit different. Now, before we get rolling, let's, let's give thanks to our sponsor, InStock Trades, where, uh, InStockTrades.com, that is, where you can get all kinds of chocolatey Bob Haney goodness. Uh, InStock Trades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off, with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Rob, what you got? Showcase presents Teen Titans Volume 1 trade paperback. Showcase format continues with a volume collecting Brave and the Bold 54, 60, Showcase 59, and Teen Titans 1 through 18. Robin, Woo! Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, and Aqualad unite for adventures only a teen team could handle. Writer, guess, if you can guess, Bob Haney. Also, Woo! some Marv Wolfman and Len Wein. Artists, Nick Cardi, Bruto Primiani. Bill Molno, Irv Novick, Lee, uh, Lee Elias, Bill Drought, Sal Trapani, and Jack Abel. Cover artist Nick Cardi. Page count 528 in black and white. Number price $16.99 and suck trades price $9.85. 42% off. That is a lot of crazy Haney goodness for only 10 bucks. All with te- all in Haney's patented teen speak. That's right. I love it. Uh, I have got another Haney gem. Showcase presents Metal Men Volume 2. So this is the second volume of the Metal Man Adventures, covering issues 16 through 36, and it picks up a Brave and the Bold issue because, you know, why wouldn't you? And your writers on this are going to be Bob Kaniger, Bob Kaniger, easier for me to say, and Bob Haney. You're getting Ross Andrew Art, Mike Esposito, Gil Kane, Mike Sadowski. I mean, this is some really sweet stuff. Page count, 528 pages. Again, same price, goes for $16.99 normally. You can get it for 42% off at $9.85. That is Combine the two, you've got a bunch of zany, haney, uh, you can get a thousand pages for less than 20 bucks. Absolutely awesome. Our thanks to InStock Trades, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. Thank you for being our sponsor. Now, 
before we get going into our first showcase Haney Zany comics, uh, we got some news on one of his characters. He wrote Aquaman for a while, right? Yes, he did. And he also wrote some episodes of the Aquaman cartoon series. Uh, yeah, there was some big, big news breaking uh, since we last recorded. Of course, one of the two events that I'm going to talk about briefly before we get to the haininess is that uh, Aquaman will, in fact, be in Batman v Superman, uh, the Dawn of Justice tentpole beginning franchise movement movie of 2016. Uh, he's going to be, and so yeah, he's going to be in it. He's going to be in it, and they've cast him. He is going to be played by Cal Drogo and Conan himself, Jason Momoa, uh, which was you know rumored for a long time. Apparently, Jason Momoa had almost gotten tired of having to constantly shoot down these rumors, but it turned out it was true. He's going to be Aquaman, and uh, that's pretty startling. Um, I just I wrote a piece on the uh, Shrine about it. My random thoughts. I mean, first of all, he's beating Namor to the silver screen. Awesome. Uh, he, this movie will be coming out in 2016, which will be Aquaman's 75th anniversary. So perfect timing there. Um, people have asked me, what do you think about this casting? And my attitude is I haven't seen Jason Momoa do anything else other than Game of Thrones, and Conan, where he was essentially the same guy, Cal Drago and Conan the Barbarian. So I don't know if he can do anything else. I, I, he's been in other things. I just haven't seen them. He is going to be one physically imposing Aquaman. I mean, this guy is huge. His bicep is like the size of my head. So he is going to make Superman look puny, which is, will, will be sort of fun. My opinion is it will all depend on how it's written. I think if they write Aquaman like he's a Conan-esque lunkhead – then it's not going to work, you know, if that's why they hired Momoa. But if they write him to be the the sort of hero that I've grown up loving and obsess about, then it'll be great. And Momoa can probably pull it off and, and uh, you know, it'll be all to the good. So I guess more than anything else, I'm excited that, that Warner Brothers has decided to put him in the movie. This is going to – and when you think about it, it's going to have all the super friends in one movie yeah. <laughs> plus Cyborg. Um, well, but it's going to have imagine, all the Superman. I, I imagine they always planned to have him in the film, but they didn't want to announce it until they cast him. I I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, maybe they did. Maybe they maybe they planned it from the beginning. There were rumors that that a story thread from Man of Steel is going to involve Aquaman, and that that weapon got beamed down into the Indian Ocean and it messed up the oceans, and that's what's going to be Aquaman is so mad about. So maybe so. I don't. You know, we'll all find out in the. In the two years i guess but uh it's uh pretty remarkable aquaman is going to be on the silver screen i'm going to get to go to a movie theater and see aquaman that's pretty amazing relate well you know check what do you think about it i couldn't be happier i am so thrilled about this i i am familiar with this actor from his role on stargate atlantis all right i i watched quite a bit of stargate atlantis so i've seen a good many hours of this guy Play not a savage character, but definitely a warrior, right? And um, but also had kind of a softer side. So I know that um, I always called him uh, <laughs> Momo. It's what? How do you say his last name? I think I always thought it was Momoa. Oh, you're probably right. Uh, Jason, we'll just call him. We'll call him Jay. Anyway, I I think Jay's got the range here to pull some of this off. And and I am envisioning. Now, sorry, I hope this isn't going to rub you the wrong way, but I'm envisioning uh, a Peter David Aquaman. You know? oh, well, think about it. Uh, the Peter David Aquaman was, you know, a little larger than life, angry, aggressive, still a leader, still a ruler, still a, a royalty. But, you know, he would get in people's face. Mm. 
you know, and looks sort of bedraggled. And Jason, in most of the shows, if you go watch Stargate Atlantis, if you watch Conan, I don't watch Game of Thrones, but he looked a little, you know, bedraggled. So he would fit the pad Aquaman really well, and I'd be okay with that. You made me very sad. Well, he doesn't uh, have to have a he doesn't have to have a hook hand. No, he's not going to have that. No, they, people have asked me that, and I'm like, there's no way because, look, a lot of this is marketing, is is business decisions, and DC and Warner Brothers has spent a lot of money getting Aquaman back in his classic look for merchandising. They are not going to chuckle that out the window and stick him with a hook hand and beard and the metal shirt again. They're just they're not going to do. He's going to look something. What? What? What is what? I think he'll be shirtless, and nope. I think. I, I think he'll be sure. Dude, have you seen how ripped this dude is? I think he'll be shirtless, and I think he might have a beard. Nope. I'm saying that now. I'm putting money down. That ain't going to happen. All right. However much money you want to put it, fine, put, a dollar. We're putting a dollar on it right we'll, now. We'll, we'll be able to buy four quarter bin comics with that. There you go. Um, yeah, that is. Shirt, he'll be shirtless, and he'll have a beard. Nope. nope. He may even have long hair. Nope. Not going to do Shirt it. Shirt a beard. Nope. He is, he is going to be their Thor. Okay, fine. Okay. He's that's no, it's not gonna. He's gonna look something analogous to how he looks in current form on the merchandising. It's it's part of the business plan. They are not going to have an Aquaman. It looks nothing like the action figures they've been selling. You're dreaming. I'm not dreaming. I am making a very clear-eyed business decision. That's why Superman's uniform is essentially the same Superman uniform. I mean, yeah, it's a little different, but it's still red cape, blue trunks, red boots, red ass shield. They're not, you know, Batman, they're, they're not going to make that much of a change. But we'll find out. We'll find out. We'll go back and listen to this episode when I am proven right. Um, <laughs> related to that, uh, right after the news broke of Momoa being cast, uh, I got an email from a friend at Yahoo News, Yahoo Movies, I should say. And they wanted an article about uh, Aquaman and Aquaman fans' reaction to this casting. And they came to me because they said, and I quote, we figured you're the expert. I'm going to dine off that for a while. So uh, the little backstory of this article was they asked me to write this. Uh, they came to me on, like, Tuesday morning, and they asked me to write it. And I said, well, when do you need it? And they said, well, we need it later today. I'm like, well, I'm at work. You know, like, I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't, like, write this piece while I'm at work. And I said, can I write it at night and give it to you tomorrow? And they were like, no, we need it for the end of the afternoon. We want to hit it today. And I and so they said, well, we'll end up we'll probably give it to somebody in house. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, they're going to give it to some flunky and he's going to make a bunch of fish jokes. I can't live with that. So I wrote them back and said, look, can I get it to you by one o'clock? I'll write it on my lunch hour. And they said, yeah, we can do that. So I skipped my lunch and I wrote it on my lunch hour at the office and I put the whole thing out in about 45 minutes. Luckily, I didn't need to look anything up. I get to do it all from memory. I wrote the piece. I sent it in. And they restructured it uh, quite a bit, actually, from what – they actually made it more about me, which was not what my focus was in the original piece. But they, they published it, and now I'm a published writer on Yahoo Movies. Uh, with, and the article was Four Reasons Why Aquaman Deserves Your Respect, and you know we link to it on the Shrine's Twitter feed. And we'll put the link to it on the show notes as well in case anybody hasn't seen it. Uh, it's not – anybody who's listening to the show doesn't it, – it's not anything you don't already know, obviously. This was for the uninitiated people out there but uh, it was a it was a very nice honor for them to ask me and it was cool seeing my name associated with aquaman so prominently in such a big big space and in fact they even ran this through on the yahoo front yahoo movies front page so uh it was that's it was, awesome yeah it was a big deal i was very excited 
It was a good little piece, Rob. I was very impressed. Um, I, I, I enjoyed reading it. I thought you made a lot of really good points. It's funny because you wrote it like how you talk, which I wondered whether you actually were interviewed on the phone because at one point in the article, you're like, you're defending something and you say, wait a minute, why am I even talking? Oh, the shark. Part the shark, of the yeah. shark, yeah. It's a shark. You know, it's like, I was like, that's my friend Rob. <laughs> yeah, and I stuck, I stuck uh, five A's in classic, so it sounds like. <laughs> So it's uh, it was nice. I I thought you really really did a great job. I tweeted the hell out of it and put it Thank on Facebook. You. So yeah, I'm very I was very excited. I really was very excited about it. You you deserved it, buddy. That's awesome. Thank you. Now now like Time Magazine, and everyone else is going to be next knocking on your door. I hope so. I would love to be known as the world's foremost Aquaman authority. Uh, I'll take it. You kind of are, I think. Well, but I'm not known as that outside of nerd circles. It would be nice for the greater, you know, Entertainment Weekly, you know, wants to reach out. Or, oh, I don't know, Warner Brothers. <laughs> Hint. So, uh, you know, you never know. I think even if you get published as the world's most foremost Aquaman authority, I think it's still going to only really be known in nerd circles anyway. Probably. Oh, well. Because, like, I don't know who the world's most known authority on, like, Green Lantern is. He had a movie. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Anyway, well, there's a little more of your Haney Zany, folks. Uh, okay, it's a real stretch, but we had to have that Aquaman news on the show. <laughs> All right. Um, with that, Rob, I think it's time to really hit the Zany, right? I think we have to declare moratorium on that word now. I think you've said it like 15 times in the first. I have, but Haney Zany is like the, it's like the, the thing. It's our shtick, right? Yes, we're, we're, but I mean, but he, you could use other terms to describe him. That one rhymes. All right, like batshit nuts. That's another one. You can do that one. <laughs> Let's not limit ourselves here. Seven pounds of crazy. Seven pounds of crazy. Here we go. All right, folks. Well, uh, we decided this episode of the Bob Haney Showcase, we are going to focus in on some of the um, Brave and the Bold appearances that Mr. Haney did. Future episodes, we'll tackle, you know, whatever we feel like, whether it be Metamorpho or Metal Men or... You know, Super Sons, or, oh, jeez, there's so much, so much craziness to choose from. All right, first up is Brave and the Bold, issue number 102, featuring Batman and the Teen Titans. Cover dated July slash, or June slash July 1972, so this sucker was on the stands April 6th, 1972. I wasn't even born yet. And uh, you get 52 pages for 25 cents. So Professor Allen finds this in a quarter bin. He's paying cover price. <laughs> Fantastic cover by Nick Cardi. This is great. Uh, I love the cover. Well, it's it's got a great Batman like angle, like they used to show in the Batman TV show. Whenever they were in a supervillain's headquarters, they're always at like a forty-five degree angle. It's a forty-five degree angle. There's a bulldozer coming at the camera. Batman's riding along with a bulldozer, and in front of the bulldozer are the Teen Titans laying down on the pavement. You know, in in clear protest. And there's a headline that says Gotham City Urban Renewal Underway. They're occupying Gotham City. Right. <laughs> and it's uh, the, 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 the tagline is Commune of Outcasts. And Batman is actually saying to the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the driver, ride on, driver, crush those defiant kids. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's just friggin' nuts. That is, uh, that is, that is balls crazy. All right. Um, well, one more in- thing, but just before we go off the cover, though. Uh, laying on the front, right in the foreground, you've got, f- going from left to right, Wonder Girl, Robin, Kid Flash, all, and they're all locked in their hand, you know, holding each other's hands. And off the side of the frame is Speedy. You just see his boots. 
Yeah. There's something about that that makes me laugh. It, it looks like he's dead or something. There's just the Aww. fact that you just see his boots. I don't know why I find that funny, but I do. Or he's not going to get run over by the bulldozer. That too, yeah. He's really going to just side. hit the three of them, yeah. yeah. Now, it's again, you know, I mentioned it's Nick Cardi, so it's a gorgeous cover. It's really great. You know, you got Batman there. He looks good. You got the Teen Titans, even though they're laying down, they look good. Wonder Girl, wow, looks nice. Um, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I love this logo, too. The Batman Brave and the Bold, very block logo with a little tiny Batman in the corner. Mm-hmm. Fun logo. Okay. So, um, jumping into this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> folks, we're going to give synopsis of these things. And you're just going to have to trust this this stuff really happened in the comic, okay? We're not making this shit up. (laughs) This comic begins like all good Batman stories. (laughs) I love it. It's a a nice, bright, well-lit spring day in an upscale neighborhood. And Batman is just casually striding down a very busy sidewalk, (laughs) thinking to himself how spring brings out the pretty girls in miniskirts. Yep. (laughs) Just like all good Batman stories. I think that's how Alan Morse and... uh, and Frank Miller stuff opens. I love that we're one panel in and we're already a completely, totally Bob Haney Batman. I mean, it's just friggin' nuts. I mean, it's, anyway, that's commentary. So, uh, Batman witnesses a mugging and he chases the mugger uh, a few streets over to an area of town called Barclayville. It's apparently the city's oldest sector and Batman hasn't set foot in there in years. <laughs> so he takes down, I know, he takes down Fast Frankie and he is confronted by a group of uh, toughies calling themselves the Young Aquarians. Young Aquarians. Keep in mind, again, it's 1972, folks. And they are they're defending the crime-infested ghetto that is Barclayville that Batman, again, hasn't visited in years. Now, here's your roll call. There's the leader of the Young Aquarians is Jamie. Uh, his, his friends include Mother Earth, uh, Ben Ahmed, some guy who, as near as I can tell, his name is only Needles, and he wears a shirt that says reality is the best high. And then another guy who's all in a suit, his name is Lawyer. And they say it's their job to handle Fast Freddy, not Batman's. They'll take care of it. Batman kind of is like, um, no, I'm, I'm taking care of this, guys. And they go back and forth on this a little. And finally he says, look, let me handle this guy and I'll make sure that it, you know, it's taken care of for good. So Batman takes the guy away. Anyway, the next day... We go right back, and Batman is back in Barclayville after years of not visiting twice in two days. He comes back, and it turns out Fast Freddy was dismissed. The charges were dismissed, so Batman's sort of there, head in, his, head in his hand, talking to the young Aquarian, saying, look, you know, sorry, but there wasn't enough evidence to hold him. Meanwhile, we're, as the readers, introduced to a young blonde named Angel Lee. She is apparently the crime queen of Barclayville. Hubba hubba. I know, she is a hubba hubba. And she is the girlfriend of Sonny Trask. You know the name like Trask, your bad news. He is the dirty dude who secretly runs the crime in Barclayville, but he's in prison, so Angel's running the business for him. Anyway, the, uh, after a little while with Batman talking to them, the, the police show up, the fuzz, and they are ready to beat on these young teenagers because, you know, that's what happens in the 70s. The cops show up and beat on teenagers. Yeah, thank God it doesn't happen nowadays. Right. Batman uh, steps in and goes, whoa, 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 what up, police brutality? That's enough of that. So the, the cops take off, and Batman finds out that the Gotham City City Council, or Gotham City, is it Gotham City City Council, or is it just Gotham City Council? That's a good point. Hmm. I, don't, I guess it really technically should be Gotham City City Council. <laughs> well, they, they have announced that uh, there's going to be an ur- urban renewal project in Barclayville, which equates to just demolishing the thing. 
So the next scene, you cut to a city council meeting, and uh, they're talking about you know, the rampant crime and the abandoned buildings, and the city council is ready to pass this demolition. Well, the young Aquarians there are prote- protesting it. They've got great signs and everything. And Commissioner Gordon tells these little ruffians to simmer down, or he's going to have them arrested because, you know, he hates kids. Batman steps in and goes, whoa, 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 Commissioner Gordon. Not cool, man. You're not doing this because, you know, because Batman shows up at city council meetings bright in the middle of the day because he's an urban myth and everything. And the city council actually tells Batman to shut up and take a seat. They say, no, we're still taking down Barclayville. So next day, Batman's like, you know, we got a real problem here. These these young Aquarians, they're going to run rampant and they're going to do something really drastic. I need to, I like how he puts it, he needs my own team of generation gappers. I love that. So he calls in the Teen Titans. They show up, and they have got the most beautiful, silky Bob Haney language. They're like, we're going to lay it on you straight. We made the scene. You know, it's just this whole thing is laced with wonderful, wonderful, dead-on 60s, 70s teenage lingo. And uh, they're talk- the, the, young, the Teen Titans are talking to the Aquarians, trying to convince them, hey, we're on your side, and there's other ways than violence to solve these issues. Well... Uh, there's, you know, there's a little tension there. Ultimately, the Teen Titans, you know, have a sleepover at the hostel, I guess it is. And in the morning, they hear bulldozers arriving. They are there to do the smackdown on uh, Barclayville. So the Teen Titans go and literally lay down in front of the bulldozers. So we're actually getting the scene from the cover in the comic. How crazy is that? So the Teen Titans lay down in front of the bulldozer. Batman shows up, and sure enough, he does what he says on the cover. He tells the driver to run over the Teen Titans. And uh, but he's he, he does it cleverly. He's like, sure, keep going. What do you care about a dozen homicides? You'll get a fair trial. Your name will be in the news. Half of Gotham will hate you, but half will love you. Just think, you'll be a heel and a hero in a hard hat. So using some reverse psychology on I don't even know it's really reverse psychology, but using some psychology on the driver. The driver's like, I'm not doing it, man. Batman, the mayor comes over and decides to grant them 30 days to clean up Barclayville. So then you get this awesome 80s montage, 70s or 80s montage of them cleaning up the town. You know, you can just almost imagine the Bad News Bears training music for the montage going on. They're hanging up wallpaper. You get a nice cheesecake butt shot of Wonder Girl. Bless you for that. You get Kid Flash running around and Speedy's killing a bunch of rats. The guys are cleaning up the crime. Anyway, this girl Angel shows up again, the hottie von hottie Angel, who is Sonny Trask's girlfriend. And she goes, look, pal. You know, whatever you do, this town still belongs to Sonny. You can clean it up, but it's really his, and he's coming back tomorrow. So Batman goes to talk to Angel and says, look, Sonny's setting you up for a fall. I, this is like the longest recap ever. Sorry. Anyway, he says, he's setting you up for a fall. You've done all the ledger work, honey. You know, when the cops come looking, you're the one going to jail. And she's like, no! Anyway, the third days are up. They decide to throw a block party because they feel like they've cleaned up the town. And Sonny Trask shows back up. Dun-dun-dun-dun. And he wants the neighborhood to be back the way it was before. He wants the crime. He wants to be able to run his thumbs up and down the town. So how does he demonstrate it? He kicks over a trash can. That's right. He makes a little mess on the street. So there's a big old fight between the young Aquarians and Trask's goons. Uh, The Trask takes down the leader. And Batman calls him out and says, Whoa, man, you've got a fist full of... You're holding on to a roll of pennies. That's assault and battery, or aggravated assault. I don't know how he can really claim that since everybody was fighting, but whatever. He says, that's aggravated assault, man. And then Trask pulls out a pistol and says, I'm not having this. 
Angel pulls out a pistol and points it at Trask. Oh my gosh, it's like a Mexican standoff. He takes a shot at her. She shoots back, gets him on the ground. He's bleeding out. He's not going to die, but he's definitely in pain. Trask's goons get arrested for disrupting the peace because Batman apparently is a deputized sheriff, don't you know? And then at the last moment, a bulldozer shows up. They think it's the end, but no, it's the Teen Titans and Batman delivering a historic monument marker for Barclayville. Woof! Man. That's a that's some real Hepcat stuff going on there. What'd you think, buddy? This is a wonderful story. I love the crap out of this. It's so crazy. First of all, the art is mostly Jim Aparo, but at some point along the line, it looks like it becomes Dick Giordano uh, or Neil Adams or Salter Patty. Is it Neil Adams? It's, it it's, is. It's all in the letters page, actually. The letters page actually says, you probably noticed halfway through the issue, Neil Adams took over. Oh, I didn't because, even see that. Okay. Because Jim Paro got sick. Oh, poor Jim. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it takes over about page 14. 14, yeah, yeah. Yep. Is where you can tell Neil. It's like, you're looking, you're like, oh, okay, there it is. Now, it's it's not as, you know, shocking as you would think, though. Neil did a nice job sort of emulating Aparo. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, but it's... it's it's just so much. I mean, first of all, I love that on page one, by the time you've got to panel three, we've already got two things that Batman would never do. As we said, talking about walking down the street in broad daylight, admiring the girls in the short skirts. That is and hysterical. Then, and I love that. And then and then I just hear him singing, I'm a girl watcher. And then in panel three, he goes, Barkleyville, the city's oldest section. I haven't put foot in it in years. There is no section of Gotham City that Batman hasn't visited in years. Now, exactly. come on. I mean, you know, so it's like it just it's it's it just classic Haneyism because Haney just did what he wanted. He just didn't. I don't want to say he didn't care because that sounds like I and I mean it as a pejorative. But it's like I think he just he wanted to write the characters doing the thing he wanted them to do in that given month and didn't care about the, the continuity or the characterizations being consistent. And and, and there, there's that, that I think that gives him that gives these issues such a like thrilling aspect because you literally don't know what you're going to get with each issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean it's like every right, story. Right. I mean, there's no supervillain in this story. There's no. This is just like a, an urban uh, drama with Batman in it. You well, know? It's, it's a very Teen Titans sort of story, really. Because, yeah, yeah. again, no villain. It's, it's a socially conscious uh, story. Um, and so it, it reads more like a Teen Titans than a Batman, even though they don't show up till like halfway through. I got to go back to this first panel, man. I, I, I want to read the dialogue. Batman's literally just literally strolling. I imagine he's swinging his arms and snapping as he's going. Sheer magic. Winter's over and pretty girls are blossoming like flowers. Delicious. <laughs> Seriously. He could get locked up for that kind of shit. I mean, that's really bad. <laughs> Oh, I mean, like I read that and I was like, "Oh, thank God we picked this issue. This yeah, is great. This is a great one. This is really fun." Um, I'm now, not to give you some to give you some perspective on the the language and the him Haney writing teenagers when he wrote this issue, he was forty six years old. Yes, and back in nineteen seventy one, forty six was a lot older than it is nowadays. If you get what I mean, I mean, you know, people don't live as long, didn't live as long back then. Forty six was kind of an old man at that point. So. Well, all right, I don't know about that, but uh, but yeah, that was. I mean, he Bob Haney was clearly trying to tap into what was going on, and you know what? I mean, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, but when you think about some of the other comics that DC was doing it doing at the time, th- this is practically the Grateful Dead. You know, this is so hip. You know, I mean, so I mean, he was giving it a shot. I will say that. I mean, I, I love 
just like one of the things again, I mean everybody knows I love Jim Aparo, but like he really gives a lot of this stuff which could be very dull visually, a lot of life to it. Um on panel on page nine, the top panel of got of uh, with Commissioner Gordon and the other city council members basically telling Batman to go kiss off. Like yeah. that's a really dynamic panel of, of Commissioner Gordon pointing and it all it is is just four guys in suits. Yeah, but it's beautifully drawn. They, they're scowls. They're like, yeah, they're so angry at the youth of today. Um, I love the idea of the Teen Titans sleeping over for no yeah. really good reason. I don't understand that. I mean, why? You know, and they sleep in their costumes. I yeah, love that Kid absolutely. Flash is in his costume. Um, I just, is is uh, Wonder Girl Sharon one of those? With uh, no, they're in a different. No, she's got her own sleeping. Uh, I don't know. It looks like she's with yeah. one of the young Aquarians. But anyway. Maybe. Uh, I love the girl. What's what's her name? The blonde, the, the who's the the Mother Earth. Mother Mother Earth. She is hubba hubba. Uh, angel, no angel. Oh oh, angel. angel. She is seriously. She is smoking hot. Like and then when Neil Adams took over, she got hotter. Yeah. Well, I don't know. well, okay. I mean, it, she looks great either way. I mean, it just it, it's just so. Dude. Page 16 with that orange and black vertical stripe outfit. I'm just like, like it. saying, yeah. I might need a minute. This really feels like an episode of a, of a TV series that they that they would have made. One of those quote-unquote relevant TV dramas of the 1970s. It's like an episode of like Room 222, which is Batman and the Teen Titans in it. It's crazy. No, it's, it's like an episode of The Hulk. Is what it feels like. Well, I mean, just you, you go into it. You go into a strange town. You meet the locals. Yeah, you befriend one group. You find out there's another group. There's crooks. Yeah, up. that's true. That's true. There's no real superpowers other than your main, your protagonists. You know, actually, in this there's no superpowers at all because none of the. Well, I guess Kid Flash. Kid Flash runs around at one, but that's it. I mean, it's pretty much it. Uh, I am disturbed at that one panel of Speedy, so proud that he killed a bunch of rats. That kind of upsets me. A little. I mean, <laughs> he killed you know, like a thousand, I think. Yeah, you that said, bothers right? me. And, you know, I know rats are vermin, but rats are still creatures. It's a sort of. But just seeing them all, just seeing them, uh, a bag of dead rats is upsetting. Um, the, the poses, I'd say, again, we're, I don't mean to go on this, but like the poses they give Wonder Girl, she is adorable. They really give her some really – like just the final panel where they're bringing the uh, the historical marker and she's sitting on the scoop of the bulldozer. It's like it's adorable. It's really great. It's – it's it, it said, this is just a ton of – oh, and I love that Batman actually has a, a sheriff's badge that yeah. he has in his palm. It's like he got it from Nixon <laughs> or something. It's fantastic. And the, 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 the ending crawl is the future belongs to those who fight for it today. Future issues of Brave and the Bold belong to those who keep the faith. Till then, faithful ones, the start. <laughs> great. I love it. This feels like this issue should have come with a joint or something. It just has that oh feeling. Oh, my God. Uh, now, you talk, you talk about Wonder Girl. You can't, you can't fail with Dimension Page 15 where she's hanging that poster. Yeah, I mean, it's the, a total the cheese guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is, I mean, this is, this is the uh, Wonder Girl costume I grew up with, which was uh, very formative for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I seriously have some... Uh, some real love for Wonder Girl in this era, or this costume, and um, just saying, meant a lot to me growing up. It's great. It's great stuff. And so nobody did violence like Jim Aparo. Uh, the, the one panel, page five, we'll post a couple of these pages on the uh, Tumblr, fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. But on page five, when, uh, what's his name, Sonny Smacks Angel... Like he's pretty he, violent. He looks like he's ripping her face off. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Aparo really did violence quite profoundly. He really felt it and stuff. Uh, and it's interesting because she's a bad person. Right. And yet she's getting smacked around and the young Aquarians like go to her aid 
and she's still like, you know, she, she lets them help him up. And there's a very sexy panel of her, like, you know, but it's her like helpless kind of thing. You know, I'm sure someone could write a paper on page five, bottom left hand panel about, yeah. you know, that panel. But, um, but then she gets up, she's like a total bitch. Yep. <laughs> she's a tough woman, this angel girl. I, I so. love the uh, placards that the uh, everybody's when they want to save the town. One of them says "SOS Save Our Slum," and then right. one says "Barkley Action Group." That's our bag, and then, <laughs> and then the third one is Barkleyville. We love it, rats and all. <laughs> I mean, the city council members, the city council, or wait, the city city council members, city city council members, they legitimately have an issue. I mean, it is a crime-ridden, rat-infested. You know, abandoned building, derelict part of town. Maybe if Batman didn't abandon it for years at a time, they would do better. I'm just saying, like, there was nothing stopping them from cleaning it up before. It's just the fact that, you know, Wonder Girl came around and flashed her pretty eyes that they finally cleaned up the town. <laughs> so, it's you, you guys could have done it before. I, I do like how they created very distinct personalities and names and looks and everything for the new the young Aquarians. Like it almost feels like they were gonna work on a, a green team book with these guys or something, you know? <laughs> it feels like they're a dry run for the forever people. Oh and, you know, and the other thing is again, I, I keep going on this about Jim Apparel, but he was so good at drawing distinct people, even little throwaway characters. And on page thirteen there's a guy who looks like uh, – he's not a hobo because he's got a house. He's leaving his home. He's packed up his suitcases. Uh, but he looks like Leffert, – Lefferts. Carl, Carl Lefferts. Lefferts. Okay, yeah. He looks like he looks like guys from Hollywood movies of the 40s and 50s. He oh, has yeah. that kind of character actory look. Uh, it's Like I said, I, to me, Apero in the 70s is just as good as it gets. Perfect. Perfect stuff. Well, then – the Neil Adams pages are really nice. I mean, they're they're really nice. You've got some good action stuff going on. You've got like the scene where the the, the block party starts and the little kids in the foreground. That's a nice nice shot. Um, the let's see the violence. You know, isn't you're right. Uh, Paro really sells the violence better than Adams. Now that I look at it, but um, but just the whole just the layout, the composition, the flow of the storytelling. I, Adams does a great job too. So. Yeah, I mean, boy, you can't do can't do work, can't do better than the you're you're sick and your fill in is Neil Adams. I mean, in the, in one issue, you get you know Haney, Zany Haney, you get Aparo, you get Adams, you get the Teen Titans, you get Batman, you get all kinds of crazy lingo. I mean, it's it's a joy. And if this issue wasn't enough for your quarter, the the book is filled with a Roboman story. Yep, which is always nice too. Uh, yeah, this is just. A ton of fun. A ton of fun. And uh, we all hope that you got a contact high from listening to it. <laughs> all right. So, again, that was Brave and the Bold, number 102. Definitely seek it out, folks. And, again, that Robot Man backup is a reprint. Uh, and this is the Doom Patrol Robot Man. Yes. And it's a fun little story where his Robot Man, uh, it's almost his origin, really. Yeah, that's a crazy story all on him by itself. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> all right. So, I think we're going to take a break. We're going to play a little Haney-centric tunes, and then we're going to come back for another issue of Zany Haney, Brave and the Bold. Here come the Teen Titans, a quartet of towering talent. Kid Flash, whose speed defies the eye to follow. Wonder Girl, swift and powerful super lad. Speedy, whose fantastic arrows perform awesome feats. Aqualad, bold and daring marine marvel. Fabulous foursome for right against might. The Teen Titans.
did you notice when they said Aqualad that you could hear the little tiny bit of the Aquaman theme? I did. I did not notice that. Well, you have to go back and play it again and check that out. It's awesome. So, all right, folks, welcome back for the second half of our first uh, Bob Haney showcase. So, the first up, first half, we covered a really fun, zany, brave and the bold. Again, there's that word again. The brave and the bold issue. Let me tell you, it doesn't hold a candle. And now we're going to crank it up a notch. <laughs> we're take that. If that was like maybe a seven on the Haney meter, this is like a fifteen. <laughs> Yeah, this what was, do you tell us about it, Rob? Yeah, well, I mean, before we do that, I just want to give a little background information on Mr. Haney. He was uh, born in Philadelphia, hey, like me, uh, in 1926, also like me. Uh, he uh, <laughs> he had long stints on Aquaman, Blackhawk, Raven the Bold, Metamorpho. He created Metamorpho, of course. Uh, the Teen Titans, he essentially created that team. And on The Unknown Soldier, he wrote – I did some research. He wrote the first Sergeant Rock story. I didn't know that. No way. Yeah. Now, I guess, I think the first Sergeant Rock story, he's called Rock, but he wasn't, like, Sergeant Rock. They didn't, like, start it out as a character. I think later Kaniger picked it up and ran with it. So it's sort of, you could say, Kaniger really created him as an ongoing feature. But Bob Haney wrote the first Sergeant Rock story. I did not know that. Jeez. Didn't, um, he, um, didn't he create Eclipso as well? He created Eclipso, created Metamorpho. And for Aquaman, he created both Tula, a.k.a. Aquagirl, and Volko. Created oh both those, created both those characters. Uh, he is the writer of a short story uh, that he did in the DC War comic called "Dirty Job," which was drawn by Alex Toth, and a, it was a story that Alex Toth himself called his masterpiece. Whoa! So that's saying something. Um, it's a great little story. I'm not going to reveal at all what "Dirty Job" is about because it has a bit of a twist ending. Uh, you can find it reprinted in uh, probably a couple of showcases, but where I first saw it was in a Best of DC a Treasury Edition that has a great Neil Adams cover, and it features that story, and it is a great, great story. Um, and he also wrote episodes of the Aquaman Hour of Adventure. So he was uh, he was quite busy, and he c- contributed quite a bit to the Aquaman mythos. So thanks for that, Mr. Haney. Uh, and uh, Metal Man, too, I think. Metal right? Man. Metal Man. Uh, he lived to be 78. He passed away in 2004. His last work was the Teen Titans Lost Special, which was a very mod, purposely retro kind of thing that they got him to write. But it was published uh, after he passed away. Was that an old script they found? Uh, I or think was it was it something I'm new here? I'm trying to remember. I think it was something new that was commissioned a couple of years earlier and then shelved. And then they okay. brought it back out again from what I remember. I read it at the time, but I don't, I don't remember gotcha. after that. So anyway, the issue we're going to talk about this time is Brave and the Bold number 124. Uh, the team-up is Batman and Sergeant Rock, improbably. Uh, it is cover dated January 1976, which means it went on sale in, like, October of 1975. Now, Sergeant Rock must have been quite a sales driver for Brave and the Bold because um, Bat- the Brave and the Bold became a Batman-only team-up book starting with issue number 74. Between issue 74 and this one, Sergeant Rock appeared... Five times. Well, if if you look at the covers on Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, there is a repeating pattern. It's Sergeant Rock, it's Teen Titans, it's Metal Men, and then assorted other people. Um, and I'm not saying it's like a pattern, like literally like ABC, ABC, but I mean you just you see each one of those over and over. He did over tend to reuse the same guys. Wildcat was in there a lot too. Uh, for some reason, those characters really seem to hit the sales. 
button for fans and stuff. But I mean, how considering how hard it is to kind of like work Sergeant Rock and Batman into a story together, the fact that he appeared five times in the space of fifty <laughs> issues that's pretty remarkable. He had one further appearance after this, so he was a pretty regular guest star uh, in Brave and the Bold. Well, in this one, I mean, I'm not jumping too far ahead, but I mean, Batman's just like, you know, oh, hey, Rock. Yeah, oh, yeah, they're all buddies. Yeah, they have (laughs) nicknames for each other. They're adorable. It's a total (laughs) bromance. Uh, As the cover by Jim Apero, once again, will suggest this is a crazy-ass story because it has a hooded villain pointing a gun at Jim Apero's head. Yes, Jim Apero drew this cover, and he's also on this cover, drawing an alternate cover for Brave and the Bold number 124. And the guy with the hood is saying, finish the cover of Pero, Rock kills Batman, or I kill you. <laughs> How any child of the 70s could have not have plunked down a quarter for this book, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, <sighs> that cover just to me sells it. I mean, how could you how could you not buy it? Look how big that piece of art is, too. Yeah. Like, compared to Oparo's head. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's enormous. Yeah, he's doing these, you know, he's doing like 25 by for the 35 pages or something. It's it's pretty amazing. Uh, anyway, the, stu- the story itself is, of course, written by Bob Haney. It is called Small War of the Super Rifles. And it opens up with these hooded guys shooting these rifles at a crowd. They're even shooting at a dog, which is horrible. Uh, and they're all running for, for, uh, for their, these people running for their lives, including an old man. And we see that the old man is, in fact, Batman in disguise. And he pulls off his mask saying, murdering rats. I was waiting for you this time. Again with the rats. So Batman chases these hoods down, jumps in their car. They fire at him with these amazing rifles. And it's more, it's like a rifle, but it fires like a machine gun, which is sort of, a, you know, remarkable. Um, Batman hunts down one of the hooded guys. He finds the guy dead, which means the gun either exploded or he killed himself. And as Batman is examining the gun, he is met by Sergeant Rock. As he says, Rock, you old son of a rifle. What in blazes are you doing here? Sergeant Rock says, hiya, bad buddy. Yeah, it's old Rock again. That hunk of barrel in your mitt is why I'm here. It turns out that these are like super experimental rifles that the Army's been developing. They have hired Sergeant Rock to f- they, and they've been stolen. These these stole these rifles have been stolen. So they hire Sergeant Rock, the octogenarian Sergeant Rock, to hunt them down. He's become like a special agent or something, which is like that's like a whole other fun second life to this guy. Even though supposedly in Who's Who, Sergeant Rock died at the end of World War II. But that's again, Bob Haney doesn't care about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Zany Haney, Zany Haney doesn't care about that. So Batman and Sergeant Rock compare notes. They go and they figure out that the rifles are probably stashed all over the city. So this group of this group is called the Thousand, and they're basically just a group of hooded terrorists that want to spread terror across the city using these rifles. So just as Batman and Sergeant Rock find their way to a locker, which they believe is going to have one of the rifles inside, we then cut all the way over to Connecticut, where we see Jim Aparo himself working on this very story. And he says, another page. Guess I'll take a break. These brave and bold scripts are toughies. And he keeps reading. What's the crazy writer done now? He's got Batman and Sergeant Rock being killed in the next panel. I'll fix that. Just as he's about to, the members of the Thousand break into Jim Aparo's studio. (laughs) And they point a gun at him. And he says, who are you? How'd you get in? And they say, skip the questions. Draw what it says. 
And Paro goes, good lord, you're some sort of, you're the gang from the story. You changed the script while I was out of the room. Yeah, bright boy, now draw. And Bat- Jim Aparo realizes that he is holding Batman's fate in his penciled hand, in his, uh, in his uh, pencil drawing hand. So he has to stall for time. He pretends to break his pencil. Well, he doesn't pretend. He, for- he purposely breaks his pencil. And he says, you two are making me nervous. I have to go get more another pencil in the storeroom. They decide, <laughs> okay, they're going to let him go. Jim Aparo then acts like a secret agent sneaking out of his studio, jumping into a boat and heading for a lighthouse where his friend lives, who happens to also have some art supplies. So Aparo decides he's going to draw a new sequence that's going to save Batman and Robin's life. Batman and Rock? Uh, Batman and Rock. I'm sorry, Batman and Robin, yeah. Batman, and so... Uh, this booby trap goes off in the locker. Sergeant Rock saves Batman's life at the last minute, of course. He, Aparo continues to draw the story, but he realizes he's not the writer. He doesn't know what else to do. So he calls the writer. He calls Bob Haney. Bob Haney is in this story written by Bob Haney. Oh, this is so good. <laughs> and Bob Haney looks like exactly what you thought he would look like. He looks like Grizzly Adams, and he's got a rifle over his fireplace. He lives like a, a mountain... Like, you know, he's he's living on Ted Kaczynski-esque. Well, no, but he's got a nice house, though. Yeah, but it's like out in the middle of the woods. Yeah, but it's a really nice house. He's not living in a shack. He's got a really nice house. That's true. House. He, so anyway. he got rich on all those Teen Titans comics. He's a metamorpho, man. He makes a lot of money. So then they call the editor, Murray, Murray Bolton, off, and they're like, they get in this plan. What are we going to do? Okay. So they then tell Jim Aparo what the next sequence is. Batman goes to visit a gun dealer. And the gun dealer says, uh, uh, looking for a special type of ammo. And the gun dealer says, yeah, some guy on last Friday bought a box of these, Batman. Only request I had for him. Batman says, good, today's Friday. Maybe he'll come back. Here's what I want you to do. So then the, uh, this, uh, they wait, and this uh, guy shows up to the, um, the gun dealer. He pulls, Batman gets the drop on him. The guy pulls the gun, fires at Batman. But Batman is still alive. How? Because these are blanks. And Batman says, can't figure how he missed me. The gun dealer says, he didn't. I sold him blanks for that licensed Magnum. I had a hunch you might use it on you. It's the responsible <laughs> gun store owner. So beautiful. Oh, my God. He's the hero of the open carry movement. So anyway, he says, uh, Batman says, thanks. We need more citizens like you. I wonder how Rock is making out. Rock is ch- Rock continues to, to chase the thousand. He jumps on to the back of their van. He yells. He's about to punch a bunch of them with his phrase, it's combat time. He knocks out a couple of them. One of them hits him in the back of the head with his rifle. Another great apparel moment where they really look like they smash his head open. They throw him off a bridge. He lands onto train tracks, and he manages to survive, uh, avoids being running over, being run over by the train, even though, again, this guy is about 70 years old, but he manages to get away just fine. There's a meeting back at the Thousand headquarters where they have a they have a very helpful banner that says 1000 dedicated men can change the world terror is power so they decide they have where got, do you get where do you get that printed i don't know i think king goes they'll do it for you um, oh, okay. but then they talk about how batman and batman and rock are going to survive this and the one guy's like but leader i don't understand we've got the script Guess his idiot. Aparo's obviously in contact with Haney, the writer. He's feeding Aparo what those two heroes need. We must stop that fast. Aparo and Bob Haney keep talking. There's an appearance by Bob Haney's dog, Bell, which is very sweet. Bob Haney's Bell, dog is very upset. Just growl. The terrorists show up at Bob Haney's house. He grabs his rifle. <laughs> the Levians! They 
found me. It's great. He, he, he grabs his rifle, and him and Bell take off into the woods. The house is empty. The terrorists find a uh, slightly greasy, invisible outline left by an erased phone number, and it says 203. They give a call. They call Murray Bolton off. They talk to him. Murray Bolton pretends he doesn't know he's talking to the Thousand. Rock and Batman are questioning the one member of the Thousand. They got. They stick his face near a rabid rat in a cage, and they say, if you don't give us the information, the rabid rat is going to bite you and give you rabies. And he, of course, a, you know, gives them what they need. Batman says, Rock, you're something else. That rat wasn't rabid. Sergeant Rock says, that creep didn't know. Come on. He told us where we'd find the whole rotten outfit. <laughs> Batman and Rock jump into a police car. Again, Batman, duly designated member of the police force. <laughs> we then rejoin Jim Aparo up in his lighthouse story where he's finishing drawing the story. He tries to get in contact with Mary Boltonoff, but Mary Boltonoff has left the phone off the receiver. Uh, Bob Haney gets involved. They write a new ending. Oh, God, I'm tired. They're chasing, they're chasing the 1,000. They jump into a helicopter. The 1,000 try and shoot at it from their boat. Batman and Rock jump out of the helicopter, land on the 1,000, kick their asses. Rock points a gun at them all and says, surrender or be blasted. We cut back to Jim O'Pair going, woof, it's over. I'm safe. Mary Boltonoff goes to bed. Uh, Bob Heaney and Bell go back to their house. And the final panel is Jim O'Pair asleep at his drawing board. A job well done. Oh, man. Okay, I got to say that my, one of the things I find funniest is that this is an issue about the, these magic rifles or whatever. And the first ad on the inside covers a Daisy Rifle ad. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it was a very American thing. Um, I, what I love about the story is there is no suggestion this is any sort of alternate universe or anything. It's literally just, oh, yeah, this is just Jim Aparo and Bob Haney are controlling the lives of Batman and Sergeant Rock. They're, they never, like, tip their hand. It's just, it's just the story. That's it. Well, it, well they don't even, it's, it's. They don't even explain no. why, if Aparo draws Batman dying in the comic, does that somehow really cause Batman to no, die? they don't you know, do any of that. Is, yeah. is it, like you said, is it happening in two different worlds, or is Aparo just drawing Batman's adventures in the DC Universe like Marvel used to do that all the time? It's like, what the? Like, I read it, and then I went back and said, no, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. How did the art... Affect whether Batman really lived or died. Like another artist could just draw Batman. Ah, my brain! Yeah, it's fantastic. This is one of my all. This is probably I don't want to say Taney at his craziest because we're going to do more episodes like this. We might break our own record, but this one was one of the first ones I wanted to do because it's just. I remember reading it. I didn't read it at the time because this came out when I was five. I read it later as a back issue, but I just remember like it made my head hurt. You know, it was just like, wait a minute, I don't understand what's going on. Why is it? Wait, what? Like, you know, like it's just so freaking strange. <laughs> and like, just you know, why couldn't Aparo just finish the comic? He had to have the exact script to get it done right. I mean, it's just so much weirdness. He's running from place to place to finish the pages, you know. And, and if he can just finish the pages, everything's saved. Never mind having them mailed to D.C. and, you know, copied and photostatted and printed and shipped to people. It's just if he finishes drawing the panels. Yes. Now, also, it confuse the hell out of you. In the middle, there's a hostess ad, and it's a Batman one. Yeah, which is not supposed to happen, right. Right. Well, I guess Brave and the Bold is not technically a Batman comic. I, well, yeah, okay. 
I, right. It's too so, bad they never got Bob Haney to write the, the uh, hostess ads. That how do we know he didn't? Amazing. It might make it would explain a lot of things. I don't know. I think these are the, the hostess ads are. Um, I don't know. I think they lack that special touch of, of Haney's <laughs> craziness. Although this one does feature a final panel of Robin sucker punching a guy while Batman and Commissioner <laughs> Gordon are standing off to the side. So I, I just feel like if you know if Haney had it, it would feature more hippies. <laughs> you know, he's getting the munchies or something. But, uh, I mean, I love, like I said, on page eight, uh, we see, again, we, we see Bob Haney's house. Bob Haney is a nice house. It's a really nice house. It's like a couple levels, got a fireplace. It's really sweet. I mean, writing comic books must have been pretty lucrative back then. I like the way Aparo drew himself. He looks, he's got like, he's got like Roy Orbison shades. And, yeah, he looks pretty dapper, you know, with the cool slick back hair and the velour top or something, whatever that is. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty badass, man. And he's like a spy. I mean, he sneaks out of the uh, he he evades the one thousand guys, uh, the thousand guys. I mean, it's like it's great. It's like these guys are like little action heroes among, amongst them, you know, on their own. And he said, I love how much of a badass Sergeant Rock still is, even though again he's got to be about seventy years old at this right. point. Uh, like I said, he's he is hit in the head with the butt of a rifle thrown off a bridge, lands on a train track, and rolls off just before the train is about to run him over. And he basically just dusts himself off and keeps walking. <laughs> because he's Sergeant Mother he's Sergeant mm-hmm. Rock. Because he's Sergeant Rock, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. I, I, so Jim Appara does a superb job on the art. I mean, just it's just beautiful. Uh, he makes everything so, so distinctive. The, the, the supposedly rabid rat. In the cage is pretty scary. The guy is like screaming, "Please don't! I'll talk." And the guy looks great. Uh, I I love the simplicity of the design of the thousand. It's just these guys with these hoods. They look they look classic, you know. Now, are they connected to the the thousand later? Which I don't like think a, so. Like the thousand committee or whatever. Yeah, the, I don't. Think the thousand so. committee came out of the one hundred committee or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think so. And okay. you, you even get a great, nice action panel on page seventeen of Batman and Sergeant Rock jumping out of the helicopter, and Batman's cape is all a flutter with all the you know bat scallops and stuff flying, and it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful, crazy story that they're just like, let's just have some fun, let's just have some fun and write ourselves in the comic, and what the hell? And I just, it just comes off so well. And it's in the final panel of Jim Aparo sleeping at his drawing board. With his with his uh, triangle template off to the side, I have been there, buddy. Uh, it is, <laughs> it's it's great. This is just so much fun. And uh, if you can ever have a chance to pick this up, either in a reprint form or as a back issue, do yourself a favor and get it. It is it is. Even though we spoiled the whole story for you, it is still just something you got to read for yourself. It is just so delightful. You know, I got to tell you, I uh, I've read a lot of Justice League comics from like you know the the seventies and stuff. And whenever they would do the ones where the they would cross over to Earth Prime and they'd meet like Julie Schwartz or whatever, right, right, right. Those always left me flat. I never enjoyed those. I did not enjoy the creative team making appearances in their own comic. I just it just didn't do well with me. Here it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here it works really well, simply because it is a total WTF story. You know, if if the story took itself a little more seriously, I don't know that I'd be able to, to handle it. But here, it's just so much fun. Yeah, oh my Haney's, gosh. Haney's stories have a real joie de vivre that that a lot of others don't. I, I agree with you. I've read there are those JLAs that feature, you know, like Mike Frederick putting himself into the story, and you're like, eh, it just feels forced or weird. And but here, it just works. It just really mm-hmm. works. You know, and I said I think his Haney had that knack of just, I don't know, just. You just bought into his premises, as crazy as they were, 
from the get-go, and he just took you along on this ride. I mean, this this story is something like 20 pages. This is, you know, back when comics were practically half-ads, although I guess now they're technically half-ads. Yeah, there's only 18 pages of story. But, man, they cram a lot in here. There's a million different situations. Both Batman's are rock at their own moments. Uh, it's, it's like I said, I keep saying it's fun, and it is. It's just fun. I One thing I, I, I want to mention before we forget, on the splash page, this is the, the crawl. It says, through the ages, the key to victory and the increasing struggle for human freedom and security has been one man and his weapon. And it is no different today in the turmoil of a modern city as shadowy enemies brandish terror's bloody flag. And only the Batman and his sidekick, Sergeant Rock, can <laughs> fight this small war of the super... Oh I love the God. idea of Sergeant Rock being called Batman's sidekick. I love that they're buddies. I love yep. that they're buddies. I, mean, I love that Sergeant Rock is just like, yeah, I just hang out with superheroes. Why not? What's up, Bat Buddy? Bat Buddy, you old son of a rifle. It's just so good. So good. These Batman are, uh, you know, a lot of these Batman stories from the 70s read like crime thrillers. They read like, you know, there was, they, you know, there were a lot of New York movies set in the 70s that featured New York as this sort of grim urban hellscape. And it was, uh, you know, the French Connection and Serpico and the taking of Pelham 123. And this, this feels like that. These feels like those movies because Batman is wandering down trash strewn alleys and there's subway cars and it's, it has that feeling to it. I mean, and as far as I knew, Haley, Haney didn't live in New York. So, I mean, he, but he managed to catch. Yeah, he clearly lived in the woods in this big well, house. That's true. Yeah, I guess so. I guess if, if the story is to be believed. Uh, he lives in uh, the, Cat, the Catskills Mountains. Lived down the Catskills is. Mountains. Well, that's in, that's in New York. I mean, but that's in upstate New York, not in New York City. Okay. Um, but, I mean, he clearly just got the rhythm of this, of, of that, that feeling. You could just hear that, like, the wakacha, wakacha, wakacha music as <laughs> Batman's running around. I mean, just, it has those, it just has that feel to it. And, uh, he captures it effortlessly. And it said it, it, it seems completely plausible that Batman is just running around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, now, one of the things that Jim Aparo did during these stories, he would put in uh, jokes in the background, like in-jokes. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know what these in-jokes mean, but I know there's some that are so distinctive that they must mean something. On page five, when Batman is walking down an alley with Sergeant Rock, on the back wall, it says 1506-Nix-Nix. I don't know what that means. It's got to mean something. They, hmm. it, it sticks out so far that it must be Aparo uh, suggesting something. Also, Jim Aparo liked around – I don't know if he was doing it at this point, but he started doing it – maybe started it later. But Aparo started dropping hints as to who was going to be in the next issue of Brave and the Bold in the previous issue. So if, like, Wonder Woman was going to guest star if you, in the next issue, he would draw some form of Wonder Woman in the previous issue's story. He had to pick that up, and that was the hint that Wonder Woman was coming. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? I, yeah. Now, I don't think he was doing it this early, but uh, there are people here in this story that are so distinctive looking that I always think it must be, is it a nod to something? I don't know. I don't exactly know. But, uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he was, uh, he was in a, you know, an imaginative guy. And him and Haney clearly made a really good team. I just I think they – I think he just – really appreciated Bob's scripts and they said this one they really went for broke yeah lots of fun really enjoyed it and uh, I mean these are two great classics right here man yep so mm, I'm looking forward to doing more of these too yeah absolutely and we'll move on I think we'll I mean we won't get bogged down to just doing Brave and the Bolts because we could do Brave and the Bolts 
till the cows come home. There could be a Brave of the Bold podcast. Yeah, we really could be. Uh, but so there'll be some others. But yes, uh, we we yeah, we have talked about doing the Haney show, and now we're doing it. So if you want to hear more Haney shows, let us know. Y'all are just lucky we didn't name it the Zany Haney Show. Yeah. The Bob Haney Showcase. Bob Haney Showcase. That's good enough. Yep. All right. Well, uh, with that, Rob, I think we're just going to take our leave. Um, folks, if you want to check out Rob's uh, ramblings on the Internet, please visit AquamanShrine.net uh, or, you know, Yahoo Movies because, you know, he's the star over there too. That's right. You can find him on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle of Aquaman Shrine. Uh, you can find me at FirestormFan.com. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Google+, and Instagram under the same handle. Rob, tell them again where the Tumblr is for the site. Fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com, and and the email is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. Yep. We'll throw a couple of great Zany Haney uh, images out there, and I'll be sure to use Zany Haney in the text as much as possible, because I'm sure you're not tired of it yet. And uh, (laughs) should make it a hashtag, actually. Oh, it is the hashtag for this episode, folks. you got to put FW Podcast and Zany Haney. Two different hashtags. Use them. Love them. And uh, until next time, Uh, Fan the flame and ride the wave. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. Stand for truth and justice. On land and air, Firestorm and Aquaman, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah! Come on, let's go in. If you don't mind, I'll wait out here and guard this little delicious bowl of fruit. Guard it? Sure! What safer place than in my stomach? A two-way phone, eh? There. Got the holes in the cups. Now, how do we use the string and the buttons? Thread one end of the string through one of the holes, and then tie it to one of the buttons so the button is on the inside of the cup. Use a button with large holes over the metal loop on the bottom, and it's easier to get the string tied. Now, tie the other end to a button on the inside of the second cup. Pull the string tight, and we'll be ready to use our new phone. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, Robin. Over and out.